Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. I think we're at like 20 episodes. I don't even know, man. We, we, first off, people probably don't realize this. We've been doing this for a while. When we started, the idea was every other week. And then we got this bright idea like, hey, let's do it weekly. And we've been killing it. We've actually been doing it weekly with different topics every week. We get engagement on social media. Um, nobody has threatened to kill either of us yet. So that's, that's a big win, I think, <laughs> halfway through our podcast um, tenure. But I think overall, people are really enjoying what we're putting out there. So for those listening, give us topics if you don't like what we're talking about. But I think the topic we have today, um, people are going to enjoy, Josh. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we're fast approaching our kind of like 26 weeks. Uh, I think we're getting close to that, which means we've been doing this for a half of a year, which Mm. is kind of insane if you think about it. I mean, I feel like we just had conversations about starting this. I I don't know how fast 2019 is going. I don't know if there's something crazy happening with the Earth's rotation, but I feel like this year has went by super fast. And I don't know if that's because of my insane schedule probably uh, yours as well i think it's one of those things where like you just put your head down and then all of a sudden you look up and it is uh starting to be september yeah you know, like what what happened it's absolutely i mean now we're gonna put our heads down and it's gonna be almost october so by the time this podcast comes out but this topic i get a little fired up about it i i i see both sides of the coin so i think this is gonna be a good topic of conversation especially from guys with our perspective on the business and business in general, but brand ambassadors, brand athletes, brand influencers um, that exist in sports nutrition because it is a, it's not a new theme by any means, but the digital era has changed the way in which companies operate within a quote-unquote ambassador program. But let's, let's go back to the, the beginning days of like sports nutrition. Athletes, sponsored athletes were a huge thing at that point. I mean, you remember some of the big monumental massive contracts like BSN and Metrics and uh, you know uh, Muscle Tech were handing out to some of these athletes like Phil Heath, Jay Cutler, Dexter Jackson. I mean they were getting huge money contracts with really no way to track whether or not they were getting any type of return on that. And that took place I think even like when you got into the industry Josh like when you first started with um, Muscle Farm, you guys had some pretty high-profile athletes, too. I know they had um, uh, the, the football player. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. We had, uh, at the time, we had Mike Vick. We had Sean Merriman. Merriman. We had a bunch of UFC fighters like Anderson Silva and, and Rampage Jackson. So we, used, we were, at the time, not utilizing bodybuilders. We were utilizing what we considered like real athletes, and I don't want that to diminish you know, bodybuilding as a, as a sport, but it's just the, the plan that Muscle Farm had. It was more geared towards the big major sports. Right, and I remember you had Tiger Woods at one point. I don't know if you were still there. I remember seeing Tiger at the U.S. Open, and he had the MP on his bag at that time still. So, I mean, that's like a massive athlete. The biggest, probably, you know, arguably the, the greatest athlete in, the, in one of the greatest athletes in the history of any sports was with Muscle Farm. Um, but you know, we have since seen this big money contracts with these athletes have diminished and kind of almost gone away to an extent. Do you just looking back at like the progression of athletes and stuff, would you attribute that to the rise in digital to the reason why brands kind of moved away from that? I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, you made mention to like when I first started in the industry, um, even before that, when I was just a consumer, I lived uh, only a couple hours from the Ar- where the Arnold Classic is at. So I would go in high school and even in college before I got my first job in the industry or anything. So I remember 
it even back then, this is uh, maybe early 2000s, mid 2000s. So this is almost getting to 20 years at this point of, of an evolution. But I remember at that point, you had a few of the um, EAS specifically that would do like football players and, and, and different athletes that were non-bodybuilders. But the rest of the industry was very much around uh, bodybuilders. Right. And it kind of just was the persona of the industry. You were really trying to um, kind of show this, like how big you can get, how massive you can get. Like that was kind of the heyday of this marketing style of like trying to create superhumans or, or you know, bigger, faster, stronger type of, of a world. And then I remember a, a very distinct story in how this all kind of changed for me. I've been kind of early on digital for the, for the longest time. I've right. always been kind of bullish on on digital, on I'm considered more of like a futurist, I guess, from most people's perspectives. And because of that, I've always kind of stayed ahead of where the trends are at, where's things going, whatever. But I remember, I, I can't remember the, the exact year, but it was at an Olympian event. I remember talking to a potential client. It was a legacy sports nutrition brand. I was talking to a few, few of their like senior sales team members. And we were just kind of looking at another trade show booth that had massive lines. And they were like, you know, what is going on there? And I, and I told them that it was a YouTuber at the time that was pretty popular. And, and I said, Hey, you know, that's what's going on. And they're like, you know, we need to go and check it out. So they go over and check it out. And then they, they initially come back and just start kind of ragging on that person because, you know, they're like, well, that guy doesn't even have a good body. That guy right. obviously has never competed before. Just kind of just going through all of these kind of negative connotations towards this person, even without knowing anything about them. And this kind of, for me, changed everything because that was the time when YouTubers became popular, like these fitness YouTubers, like the first wave of fitness YouTubers, be that like uh, Mark Lobliner or... Um, you know, a few of the other guys, Christian Guzman, people like that that are still around now, but kind of came around six, right. seven you know, years ago or even further back than that. But people then started to watch a lot of YouTube. That was when YouTube was starting to get very big, even, even though it was before that. But it was getting big at that point. And people were watching YouTube like they would watch TV. And people were getting uh, involved with people's lives. They were starting to really um, follow these people, really – be kind of pseudo friends to these people and they were attached at a much deeper level to these people than just a bodybuilder that you saw in a magazine that you knew nothing about mm -hmm. um, that looked really big and you were like, hey, maybe I want to be like that, maybe I don't, but I don't know anything about that individual person, but I know this YouTuber struggles in their lives, I know they go to work, they live a similar life to me, I can attach myself to that. And that's kind of when I saw the change. Now when you go to a trade show like 2019 Mr. Olympia, Every one of the major lines in terms of the trade show is most likely because there's a digital brand, a personal brand, be it YouTube, a huge Instagram person, whatever it is. That's what gets the biggest lines. It's mm -hmm. not Phil Heath. It's not um, you know other bodybuilders. I mean, there's a few of them that still do pull a lot of people. That uh, specifically, I think like you know, like Kai Green is one that yeah, has a very uh, really good personality outside of the sport of bodybuilding. So a lot of people attach themselves to the personality more than just, you know, the, the freak of a body that he has. So it's, he still pulls a lot of people, but it's, um, a lot, most of them you would walk by and you wouldn't know who those people are, but you would 
more than likely know the YouTuber that's holding a camera, you know, a, a foot of, in front of their face. 100%. I mean, I, I'm in this space, and there are people who will be competing in the 212 at the Olympia that I will have no fucking clue who they are. And that's no disrespect to them. It's just here we live in a digital world. We, we keep using the word digital on this podcast, but think of what the opportunities that people have. Bodybuilders have an opportunity to increase their value by being more social on social media. And the thing with Kai Green, you mentioned him, is he puts himself out there on social media. He, I mean, he, he's very, very popular internationally and domestically. He's also now getting involved in, in terms of like films. Like he's not just bodybuilding anymore, so he branched out, did some more things, but he had digital to help him do that. that I think there's two digital platforms that really changed this whole structure of athlete endorsements. Now, athlete endorsements still occur today. And sometimes, um, and there's a little bit different for those listening, like now it's more like influencer contracts as well so that that's actually primarily taken over but there are still athlete contracts out there but youtube was huge because you mentioned mark lobliner he did not need to go out and get an athlete for his brand because he was the athlete for his brand mark won his pro card but he never won the olympia he never won an arnold classic and then you look at somebody like rich piana he won mr california but he never won an olympia he never won an arnold classic they just utilized youtube better than anybody else and created a multi-million dollar brand based on it and then they didn't have to go out and get athletic or athlete sponsorships because I would love to see the books for Muscle Tech or BSN or Metrics and say, what did you spend in all those years on your athletes? Because I guarantee that they did not bring that investment back into the brand, at least not domestically, maybe internationally a little bit more because you and I both know like you go to Brazil or you go um, you know, to, to India or whatever, they are in love with American bodybuilding. They, they're, the, the bodybuilder brands across seas do so much better than they do domestically. So that's a different animal. Um, there may be a reason there to sign an athlete, but- I think because of the, the digital era allowing brands to actually track a legit ROI, you know, with coupon codes, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, or um, you know, affiliate links or, or trackable links, now you can actually associate your investment with somebody and, and, and reevaluate that on a continual basis and say, "Yep, this was worth it. This is this is not worth it." And I recently worked with a brand that was looking at going to sign a fitness influencer, and that was my first sort of experience with an influencer because again they really hadn't accomplished anything like you mentioned like they didn't win anything they are just really good at instagram and they have a huge following on instagram to the point where they are able to demand contracts in six figures a year for brands which is absolutely insane but it's it's no different i guess than just becoming famous and, and looking the part and that's where we're at now like there's youtube and then instagram you know, I think about Instagram, and I think about the company Shreds. Everybody listening to this podcast may or may not know who Shreds is, but Shreds was probably the first supplement company to build itself via Instagram. I mean, they became a multi-million dollar brand on Instagram behind Joey Swall, who now is a big fitness influencer who's attached to like Rise and some other brands. But it's just crazy what social media did. Not only did it allow brands to build themselves, it allowed them to attach to personalities in which they didn't necessarily have to pay massive contracts, but they paid per transaction, which is a completely different way to look at things and a better way to look at things as a business versus saying, hey, Jay Cutler, I love you, Jay Cutler, but you know, paying you $150,000 a year and I don't know what I'm getting in return for that, I can't do it anymore. I got to cut that off. It's This evolution has um, it's definitely bettered the industry. Um, a lot of people, I know that statement I just made might have triggered a bunch of people because they are going to hark back to this legacy period of when it was bodybuilders and when it was everything. But the closer you can get to a customer, the better you're off in today's world as right. a brand, as a 
company as anything. So for you now to have assets that you can deploy that have very close relationships with their customers that you then can utilize to be closer to those customers for yourself, for your own you know, company's good, that has opened up the doors to all kinds of other opportunities for the industry. Right. And though it might not be what was there in the 90s or even when I started in the, in the uh, late 2000s, it is much better off today for brands if they know how to utilize them correctly. And now there's been such a kind of kind of iterations of in, in kind of segments of what we're talking about with athletes. And we mentioned at the beginning, you have like brand ambassadors, you have athletes, you have influencers. Um, and those sometimes get thrown around interchangeably. Those terms yeah, get thrown around a lot of different. times and people don't know the difference of them. But there's a very distinct difference between those specific things. It has to do with one, like the um, how close they are to the corporate side of, of the mm -hmm. company, um, also how they're paid, and like also in terms of maybe closeness to the overall brand's vision. So like a brand ambassador, they might be a lot closer to the corporate side of the company because they are getting fed information about products, they're getting fed information about events, different things like that, maybe some training. It all kind of depends on what's going on. But they aren't necessarily need to be like on brand in terms of like the look, mm -hmm. the style of the person, because they're not utilized in more of an advertising way. They're, they're utilized in a more of a product education, um, you know, just kind of smaller, um, kind of localized type of a feel. Where then you have like an athlete where to me, an athlete is somebody that is going to be very much on brand. They generally don't know too much that's going on within the corporate's four walls. They just know um, that, they talk a certain way that fits the brand, their customer base or their influence is very close to that. Um, but they usually, an athlete has some type of athletic background mm -hmm. that also creates influence just around them competing or winning a Super Bowl or, or whatever that is. Where then an influencer is usually the same things as an athlete, but strip away the athletic performance right. side of it. Um, but they're utilized in probably a much stronger advertising way because generally you're handpicking those influencers that are on brand, that match your brand's vision, story, whatever you're looking for, values. And that person should basically be the public face in a way of your brand, especially if you're not a entrepreneur-led brand like right. a Aaron Singerman, Mark Lobliner. Um, those types of guys, like those guys are are ahead of the brand, so they don't ne necessarily need to have these influencers that are leading the outward look of their brand. But I, I don't know if people understand the distinctions, and there's a ton of other nuances to each one of those things, but those are just kind of to bucket them for people. Maybe they can right. understand the difference between when somebody says they're an ambassador, they're an athlete, they're an influencer. Those are very different things. And then within the term ambassador, there's basically two different things with that as well. There's the ambassadors um, of you mentioned someone that's actually close on the corporate side. There, you know, there is even you know I look at like Sparta Nutrition. They had Jen Seltzer. They signed as a as a global brand ambassador. Um, they're developing a line specifically for her for GNC. You know, so that that is like 
ambassador to the T, like a hardcore. But then you have the ambassadors who sign up for an ambassador program who get a coupon or affiliate code. Like they are, they are different in that case. Like one is more of a corporate ambassador. Someone's going to get something and one's just, you know, somebody looking to, to make some extra money, which we'll talk about here in a second. I think you mentioned too, like the influencers are still paid, from my understanding, a lot of them are still paid on a contractual basis, not based on like an affiliate code. And you look at somebody like Christian Guzman and what they do at Ghost. See, that is a way of elevating your influencer to a level that most don't do. Like, they gave him his own product under the, under the ghost line. He is so popular, he has his own energy drink, the 3D energy drink. Um, he has his own gym. And you look at somebody like Julian Smith. Now he is basically the owner of Arms Race Nutrition along with Doug Miller over at Core. So these influencers have gotten such big followings to the point where they are now creating their own brands. So they are no longer accepting contracts to go and say, you know what? I'm going to be an influencer for Cage Muscle. No, instead, I have such a big following, I'm going to create my own. I'm going to get equity in a brand and put my name on it. That's where we're at now, and we're seeing it more and more. And I know like uh, Don Maserati, right? He was a big YouTube guy. Um, he started his own brand. The Rock put him on the channel. There are just so many people who have made a name for themselves in the space by either doing comedy or just doing some type of content that people engage with that they don't need brands anymore. Um, to to make money, they just they create their own, which is a whole different shift in the paradigm than what we were used to. And it happened quick, Josh. Like we moved to this influencer model, and then it seemed like within within like eighteen months, the influencers were able to recognize like I have so much influence that why partner with a brand when I can just do my own thing. The leverage has has gotten really big at this point, and that's why you are seeing brands partner with them, add them into ownership structures, whatever it is, because what you don't want to do is have them go out and do that on their own because you're not able to to you know utilize that in any way. Um, so you what you want to do is because no longer do they want to just do a coupon code and get a commission or anything like that. That's not worth it to them anymore. They want to you know increase their uh, brand overall outside of just their personal brand. They want to kind of leverage their personal brand into consumer products, whatever they're passionate about. They want to be able to make money, but on a more longer standing way because they know there's an expiration date usually, especially on a fitness influencer, yeah. uh, unless you are somebody that can age really well in your information, in your brand, you know, to kind of go with it. But it's for the most part, these people have kind of realized this influencer stage of the world, this one-to-one -one commerce that's happening a lot more is going to have an expiration date and they need to either get what they can get in the, as much as they can at the beginning and then just think short term or they can think long term and start to think like a business person, which what you're starting to see now, you're having a lot of people that are one trying to start their own brand, which can be a minefield of, of problems because these, these in, Influencers, they're not business people. Right. They don't know how to run a consumer product company where there's inventories and there's a ton of different ins and outs in a com very complex business. It's not like you are pushing ebooks or something like that that's just like information based. Right. So that's one side. But the other side of it is that if they partner, they can get, elevate their brand with other business people that understand a lot of the things that they don't. They still get to kind of do what they love to do best, but take away a lot of those other things. So it's kind of changed, but I know me specifically, you and I are much different in terms of our brands. Uh, yeah. Mine is very much to service the industry in terms of the, the businesses, the stakeholders where you're on the consumer side right? and you have a ton of more experience just actually being a part of some of the things we're talking about with 
you know, coupon codes with uh, back end commissions and, and all those things. I've created the strategic uh, plan of actions on a lot of those things, but I don't necessarily, I don't have a coupon code. I don't have 10 pl- you know, percent off and, and I can get a kickback or anything like that. Right. So you have a different mindset on this. You have a different view point on all of this type of thing. And I know that this topic usually gets you a little bit upset because you see how it can go very bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, first off the, we talked about this in the previous episode when we talked about multi-level marketing companies, how they are not that much different than sports nutrition companies in the aspect of affiliate marketing or affiliates. So you, and I think, I'm not sure the first brand to start this, but I'm just going to say first form might've been one of the first ones to actually pioneer this movement in terms of their Legion of Boom where anybody who wanted to be part of this Legion of Boom would basically apply for this affiliate program. They would get a coupon code, you know, Josh 10 for 10% off plus free shipping, and then they would get a commission kickback, plus they might get a discount on products. So it's very similar in that case to an MLM structure, but it doesn't cost the brand anything unless an actual conversion is made, which is genius marketing because you pay Google AdWords typically pay-per-click. You can do a pay-per-conversion aspect, but I think any brand on the planet would say, you know what, I'm willing to give up 10% margin if it's a guaranteed sale every time. And that's what affiliate programs are. So if you are given a code, it doesn't cost them a damn thing other than 10% margin, which to most brands probably isn't going to hurt them all that much, especially since you have to buy directly through their consumer website. You can't take these codes and go to bodybuilding or Amazon. They are only good on those actual websites. So it's absolutely brilliant. Aaron Singerman has, I believe, like, oh, Jesus Christ, like 7,000 brand ambassadors or, or, or affiliates. It might be more than that too. And I'm, I'm friends with the affiliate manager, but so many people. And they all have codes, and you see the Rightcon One tier operators post their codes everywhere. You go to Retail Me Not. I, people listening to this right now, go to RetailMeNot.com, type in Redcon One, see how many different ambassador codes pop up on, Red, on, on Retail Me Not. Hundreds, yeah. hundreds. Yeah, and here's this yeah. is this is where I get upset because I have coupon codes in which helps me run my business, but I help educate the consumer to make a decision. If that product is not right for them, I won't give them that code and recommend them that product. I'll find a different brand that might be best for them, but not just Redcons, any ambassador program on the planet. Those people are in it because they think they're going to get rich. They're going to make money. Some people look at it as the second job. I mean, like they'll actually put in their profiles, works for X. No, you don't. You don't work for them. You don't have an employment agreement. You don't have a 1099. Like you, you are, you're getting paid commission for tossing out a coupon code. But I run a group forum on Facebook. And anytime somebody says, hey, I need a new recommendation for X, the ambassadors come out in, 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 in waves, Josh. Use this. And here's my code. Take this. Here's my code. What pisses me off about it is how do you know that that product you just recommended is right for that person without asking certain questions? If I walk into a GNC or a vitamin shop and I say, hey, I need a pre-workout, and that sales rep just points me to a shitty pre-workout right away without asking questions, I'm leery. So I always like to ask questions to figure out like, what time of day do you work out? What's your, what's your tolerance to stimulants? All these different questions that you should be asking before I make a recommendation. And I am big on education and information. That is how we grow this business to make a more wise, educated consumer. Because these, at the end of the day, these are, I heard Mark uh, Glazer say it best, like these, they're not technically drugs from Deshea, but these are drugs. These are chemicals you're putting in your body. We should take a little bit more precautionary measures on, on what we do. But everybody and anybody has a code now, and they just toss it on retail and not sites or on forums everywhere, all because they want to get a kickback. And they don't, they don't care about the general health of the, of the consumer, unlike me. So... I have a, a million coupon codes. I have a million codes that offer commission kickbacks to Fitness Informant. I've been extremely open and honest about that. Um, I, I make barely, very little on it, very little on it. And that's fine by me. 
But I have the option there for a consumer if I feel like that's the best product for them to purchase. Again, my biggest flaw or my biggest argument with the flaw in the system is that these brands are not requiring these ambassadors or these affiliates to be become educated on the product. So they're just blindly recommending products to people and they themselves have no fucking idea why they even use it. But they use it because it's cool and because they might make 10% on a $20 sale. The education pieces is also what gets me a lot of times because though our platforms are much different, like mine is all around education and I am never – one to say this is an absolute best way to do this or I don't use those types of like supportatives and tell people like, oh, you know, this is the only way to do things. I understand there's a ton of different variables in every single situation. You need to be able to ask the questions to actually get the right answer. And what these ambassadors end up not doing is they're only thinking about money, which for the brand is great because they're not necessarily uh, putting in a lot of the effort or a lot of like the other uh, indirect cost to like educate these people or whatever. Now it's a short term benefit for these brands because ultimately one of these brand ambassadors are going to say something either that is going to get them in trouble is going to either, uh, you know, put the brand in a bad position. There's going to be something where they're going to have to walk back mm -hmm. on those comments. If they don't put in the training and, and, and effort to do this, it's just that a lot of times the, in, especially in the sports nutrition space, there's not a lot of pre-planning that goes involved when you execute. There's a lot of execution that just happens mindlessly. And what ends up happening is you see somebody like Redcon One and having this massive success or first form, and you're saying, hey, I need to do an ambassador program. Right. So you go out and you copy and paste a few things, and you throw it up on your website. You get some people uh, that want to make some extra money that are customers of yours. They come in there, and you start rolling. That's it. You never think about it. First and foremost, to say, hey, maybe I should have created maybe some basic PowerPoint decks on all the products. Maybe I create a very short test. If they get, you know, 80% or higher, they, they're good. And then maybe every quarter I have them all on a Google Hangout call where we talk about, mm -hmm. you know, the next what's happening. Like there's just a lot of things that if they just would have taken a few hours before they went out and just started executing – they could have set this up for autopilot, yeah. which is what everybody wants to do on this. They don't want to worry about managing 7,000 people. So what they end up doing is they just forget about it. They just hope that those people are going to act appropriately. And what ends up happening is you have uh, you know, 20% of them or so that are, are not acting appropriately. And those are the loudest ones that are out there that are, you know, that you're taking on in your group or people are taking on on social media or whatever, because they're just clueless. All they're thinking about is making money. And I don't fault that person for wanting to make money because everybody has their own reasons for needing to make some extra money. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that have broken into the industry for similar types of ways, you know, gotten their foot in the door and they make a name for themselves. But there's a lot of people that, you know, do things the wrong way. And that's what ends up getting everybody in trouble. And everybody starts to create this follower mentality of hate. And then all of a sudden brand ambassadors are shit. Influencers are shit. Athletes are shit. Like if if I post something on my, you know, if I posted a video tomorrow about influencers and, and things like that, the majority of the comments from business owners in the space would be negative. They would be like, it's everybody, uh, you know, I can't stand those people. I can't stand making my, like, so the 20% that have been bad for the industry is now all of a sudden killing the 80% that's doing a lot of good for a lot of brands. And it's creating this wave of, of 
just kind of negative thoughts towards it. And that's where I get a little bit upset because I, I wish that brands would at least take the time at the beginning to clear all that up so that so we can get the benefit out of all this because there's a ton of benefit from this. Yeah. Uh, these ambassadors, you know what I mean? Like you, for you to get as close to the customer as you can, how whatever means possible is a very good goal for a lot of brands today, especially ones that are legacy brands that have no connection with customers whatsoever. None. Yeah. You, know, you hit the nail on the head. I've, you know, I've, I've been thinking out loud. It's like, okay, if I ever owned a brand, I, would I create an ambassador or an affiliate program? Yeah, you, you're damn right. I would. But mine to your point would be, Upfront work, like the education piece, because if you educate your ambassadors and your affiliates, uh, they now have more sense of like ownership. They believe in you a little bit more now, not just because you had cool packaging and cool concepts in terms of marketing. Oh, okay, so you actually have a good product too, and then they can relay that information to the people they're trying to give their code to. Actually, help educate people, not look like a complete fucking utter idiot on social media. I have seen so many Legion of Boom people. Yes, I don't even care. Like post on First Form's pre workout or their OptiGreens or whatever, and they 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 butcher. It. It's wrong. It's not even factual information that they're putting on there, but people are led to believe it because they don't know. And these influencers or these affiliates, they don't know either. They're just putting it. Some people, some brands send things out to their affiliates and say copy and paste. That's that's probably better than just letting people go free fall. But it's just unbelievable some of the stuff that these people will say that's outside the realm of probably company policy to just get a 10% commission back on like a $40 purchase. You made $4 by lying to somebody because you didn't want to take the time to learn it yourself. Like we are a, an extremely lazy society in general to educate ourselves on what's going on, and we're trying to get rich quickly, and that's what a lot of these ambassador programs are doing um, to the to the ambassadors. Is they think it's a way of getting rich quickly. But I'm telling you, if you are a a brand and you are thinking about developing and creating an affiliate program and having ambassadors for the for the plan, do what Josh said. Do webinars. Do Google Hangouts. Make that a requirement. And, and what you can do too, which is cool, is like you can make different tiers. So if that person attends X amount of webinars a month or whatever, maybe they, you bump them up to a new tier, which is a new commission structure. It encourages them to learn. It encourages them to become more educated. Therefore, they can be a, a louder and better voice for your brand because those who are more educated and understand your products more are going to sell 10x what the idiots are that don't that just paste their code on a group form somewhere. So that is free advice. Uh, next time, we're going to send them a bill, Josh. We will send them a bill for that. Uh, if you're an affiliate and you're listening to this, do your homework. Help yourself. I mean, if you legitimately want to make money doing this, then you should learn everything you can about that product. Not just what the company tells you. Not just because uh, Mr. CEO said this is the best pre-workout in the history. Look at the ingredients. Research them. Understand what those ingredients are meant to do so that way you can actually speak wisely to people in case you actually need to have an intelligent educational conversation. You can actually hopefully have that versus just being stuck in a corner and making something up, getting caught in a lie. So, I know we talked a lot about sort of the progression of athletes, influencers, affiliates. There's definitely a place for affiliate programs in this world. I think they're great. In terms of the business side of things, there's really, outside of what you mentioned, you know, somebody saying something that's incorrect on social or attaching their name to your brand and then going out and making a complete fucking ass of themselves, there's not a lot of downside to it. I mean, it is you pay per conversion. It's, as a CEO, I'm happy to sign those checks and send them out each month in the mail. But it does make the waters a little bit murky and it makes the information put out to consumers uh, inaccurate sometimes, which then can lead consumers to make a purchase, which they shouldn't have made. So from a business side, brilliant. From my side, where I'm trying to correct the industry and help educate people, I fucking hate them. I can't stand them because they literally contradict everything that I'm trying to do because they don't take the time themselves to educate themselves. Yeah, if anybody listening to this is not a part of, of Ryan's uh, self-made 
Barbell Brigade. Is that is that the group that you guys have? It, uh, it's the group, yeah. And if you're an affiliate, you yeah, post I your code say, and kicking you out. I would say I would say that if you want to get a little bit of humor, um, see some of the rants that Ryan has had on on there. Uh, it's always it's always enjoyable to see because it's it comes from a place of passion. Right. It comes from a place of wanting better. It's not coming from some you know smart ass way where you're you're trying to say you're better than somebody. You're you're basically in your own way, trying to tell people, hey, elevate yourself a little bit and think bigger because you're handed a really good opportunity. You just don't necessarily know it yet. I will share just one story to tell people like I technically I started as like an ambassador. I guess you could consider this was way before those even things existed. I've told this story a few times on my uh, YouTube, also on on this podcast, but the First thing that I ever did was I was a bodybuilding.com like form rep right. for a brand. And that was way before coupon codes. I did direct people towards different things, but I took that very small free product job. And then within six months, I got to a point where I was so valuable to the company because I wanted to always learn. I was offering my opinion. I was constantly always wanting, wanting more to try to get myself in the door that they then started to trust them, me to you know, travel to different territories, go to GNCs, go to vitamin shops, go to local Europa accounts, you know, talk to store owners, talk to customers about everything. And then that transitioned into bigger things and bigger things over the next couple of years. But it all started because I took a chance for something that ultimately I got, you know, a couple, couple dollars in product a month. And that turned into what eventually became what I am today. I mean, obviously that's a long period of time, but what I'll tell people is that Ryan or me or even some of the other people in the industry that came from similar backgrounds to you, if we come at you maybe wrong or you know kind of strong at you, just know we're coming at a place of love. We're coming at a place of like trying to help you understand that if you do this correctly, you could be inside the doors of an industry that has a ton of opportunity. It gives you opportunities that you won't ever understand until you're in it to the level that you need to be in it. So that's just kind of my advice to tell people if you are an affiliate, you're thinking about being an affiliate ambassador, whatever it is, don't just do the bare minimums. Don't just right. try to make that quick cash. Don't do that because you are worthless overall if you're that. You're just expendable. We'll just replace you with somebody else. But if you become somebody that inside those four walls of that company becomes valuable, not only will you potentially get something more in that company, but the owner will think very highly of you mm -hmm. and has a lot of connections. The industry is very small and will tell people, hey, check out Ryan. This guy really knows his stuff. I don't have a position for him right now, but I know you're hiring for a marketing manager here. Why don't yeah. you hire him? It happens all the, time. all the time. You just have to think about things a little bit bigger. All the time. I know, just, you know, real quick, going back to Redcon 1, a lot of their full-time employees inside that office in Boca came from the affiliate program because they did things the right way. So you definitely can work your way up. If you like what you heard on this podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. We're on Facebook, two guys, one shaker cup. Uh, and if you want more amazing episodes like this, all you got to do is insert coupon code one, two, three. I don't give a fuck. And you can get as many <laughs> free episodes as you want on those platforms. Podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.